0: Hi fifth on this sunny, sunny Thursday, um, again not going to be in front of you today so hopefully we can try to get a handle on this chapter 12 case study, Jarrah March. So I've just put up there, I'd like you to have the PowerPoint open and we can be doing this together, this all new remote learning business. So. I just have there on the first slide, History 365 website, have a look, it's got some good resources there. If anybody does find anything else that might be of interest to me or to anybody else in the class, feel free to post it, guys, absolutely. Um, and of course, big shout out to uh, Go Stacy. Uh, she's on YouTube as well, and I'm sure she has something um, about this, in fact, I definitely think she does. So let's begin, Jarrow March 1936, what was it, um, why was Jarrow a small town up on the east coast of England um, so hit and underwent such hardship at this time and how do they manage to bring their petition all the way to the Houses of Parliament so let's have a look slide one so we're looking at the image there guys on the screen it is the map of Britain and we have these special areas designated highlighted in orange so you can see we've got up the north there in Scotland all the way down as far as Cardiff then in Wales so the government in 1934 set up these special areas and they were designated as areas um of high poverty high unemployment high infant mortality rates people suffering from tb and really they were designated so that they would receive extra financial help from the government so we can see where jarrow is there a small town located on the river tyne and we can see there that they took their plight of poverty all the way to the House of Parliament in 1936. Next slide. P.S. Every time I say the word basically you have to send me a thumbs down on the posts. Thank you. Moving on why were things so bad in Jarrow? So there had been an economic recovery begun in the UK but it did not reach all parts of the UK. And the areas then that were hardest hit were those that depended on traditional industries. What are your traditional industries? They are your shipbuilding, your coal mining, your steel making. And primarily in the areas where there was only one of those industries, next slide, that if you pull the plug overnight in an area that depends on a coal mine, for example, and it shuts down, then there is nothing else in the area to give employment. So, as mentioned, the government set up these designated special areas in 1934 to try to deal with high unemployment rates within these traditional industries. Next slide. What did it look like? Well, money was provided to help improve and attract local industries. However, the money that was available was limited and it had little impact. Now, there was unemployment benefit available for the long term unemployed, but it was only paid for 26 weeks. And then after that it was subject to a means test now a means test for those of you who don't know basically is a test of means it's your test of income so the government employed a strict method of ensuring that either the payment continued or stopped but they used this means test in order to make sure that you did not have any other income that you weren't telling the government about and traditionally means tests are viewed even to this day by people as being very unfair. So next slide. So then in 1934 we've got the Unemployment Assistance Board and that was set up to really help the number of people who got payments so they did want to pay out more but they kept the unfair means test so it wasn't very popular. In addition to that then, the money paid was wholly inadequate and many people moved south to look for work. So back to the town of Jarrow then, they had depended on one single industry which had been shipbuilding. Next slide. And it was the Palmer's Shipbuilding and Iron Company that had been set up in the town in 1852. It had been the town's main employer and unfortunately it closed in 1935 with a loss of 400 jobs. So... Obviously, things were the people of Jarrow were going to be very hard hit, but nobody really could foresee that unemployment levels would reach seventy percent. Now, the government had set up this organization called the National Shipbuilders Securities Crew to tackle the problem of the now too many shipbuilders in the UK who are operating at a loss. So. Jarrow was really a symptomatic of a bigger issue in Britain at that time. So the government was looking at what can we do basically to stop money flowing out into industries that are not productive and that are not paying their own way. So they set up these national shipbuilders securities company and they went into failing shipyard's and they closed them down, basically. It was a little bit like Thatcher in the mines in the 1980s. If you're not paying your way and you're not productive, basically you're costing us money and you have to go. So the British shipbuilding industry, once huge, once had manufactured over half of the world's ships in British shipyards, was now basically on its way out due to the foreign competition and to the Great Depression. Next slide. So Palmer's had been closed by the NSS, but the people in Jarrow said, well, look, if you're going to take that away from us, you need to give us something to replace it. So they wanted a steelworks to be built to replace uh, the high rates of unemployment and to replace jobs, but it fell on deaf ears. So the already stretched population now going to be put to the pin of their collars as levels of poverty, poor housing, overcrowding and high mortality rates all increased. And by 1936, we can see the stats there, and you can ever read through for you of them for yourselves there. So highest unemployment rates in the UK, highest infant mortality rates, kids who bore who die uh, before their first birthday. So that's huge, and it's also infant mortality is inextricably linked with high levels of poverty. Excuse me. <clears throat> also then deaths from TB were above the national average and again that was such a disease that had the stigma attached to it because only people from really really poor backgrounds and who were literally literally On the fringes of society, they were the ones who contracted tuberculosis because it was a disease associated with the poor. We had that here in Ireland in the 1950s with Noel Brown, eradication of TB, if you remember from your third year history, and of course, mother and child scheme, which he failed uh, at implement, or which was rather failed to be implemented, and the government fell as a result. Next slide. So in comes local Labour MP Ellen Wilkinson. So she had brought herself up by the bootstraps and she campaigned on behalf of the people of Jarrow. She was the only female that was going to be involved on the march. And one of her many quotes was, tell the government, our people shall not starve. Next slide. So what was it? On March the 5th, 1936, a group of 200 men from the town set out to march the 300 miles to London to hand in a petition to the government to highlight the poverty and high unemployment rates being endured by the people of Jarrow. Now, these marches, as you can see there, the men and another slide there, Jarrow crusade. And also then you can see Ellen there getting the, uh, the, the coffee and the sandwich at the side of the road. So marches were not new at this time. And they've been taking place in the UK since 1932 to highlight the poverty caused by the Great Depression. And there was this organization called the National Unemployment Workers Movement. And they had organized hunger marches, as they were termed, um, all over the country. Now, this organization had connections to the Communist Party. So the organizers of the Jara March were keen to distance themselves from any association with the Communist Party and the Communist movement, because, of course, people knew what was going on across the water in Russia and in Eastern Europe, and they were terrified of communism. So they felt that they needed not to be under this umbrella of this National Unemployed Workers Movement. So they called it a crusade. And it did receive broad support from both the Labour and the Conservative parties. Next slide, guys, I've just taken from the textbook there at the top of page 100 and where am I? Yeah, top page 128, you can go there through. So when the steelworks fell through, Um, the borough council decided to act they would stage their own march uh, delivered by men who would march the 291 miles to London in three stages and we've got the mayor there Billy Thompson ever the politician he says he's appealing to everybody and basically says in every town and village on our way to London we are going to put to the people of this country the plight of our depressed town Jarrow has been termed the most depressed town in the country, but we are here on behalf of all towns in a similar position to our own. So remember, we're not just doing this for Jarrow, we are doing this for all towns in a similar position to our own. Next slide. How was it put together, basically? So there was only 200 men selected. They all had to be medically fit. Women were not invited and numbers had to be kept low because men would need food and accommodation. So secondhand bus was and they carried blue and white banners and MP Ellen, as I mentioned, Wilkinson, was the only woman uh, to participate on the march. They collected 11,000 signatures and they assembled every morning. They marched army style, 50 minutes every hour with 10 minutes rest. The band played, keeping the men swinging all uh, keeping the men swung, swinging sorry along all the time, um, it was very important to Ellen, as she mentioned in other sources that the men were to be clean shaven, they were to be smartly dressed as best they could on a march like this, and that they needed to show a modicum of self respect for themselves that even though they were living in such poverty and such horrendous conditions that basically the optics of the crusade were very, very important. So along the way then, next slide, the marchers received a welcome in most towns and usually Billy Thompson, the mayor, or Ellen then would speak at a public meeting. The towns did what they could for the men in Barnsley, for example, that they had access to the bathhouse, donations of money and food and medical aid then was supplied from student doctors, obviously for blistered feet and shin splints and all the rest of it. So the march was covered extensively by Pathé Newsreel. Pathé had been set up by uh, two French brothers and they had short um, films. And then obviously um, BBC Pathé then, they had its own franchise too. Um, The BBC gave nightly updates and stories reported in the local and national press. Most were sympathetic, but not all. Next slide. By November the 4th, they had gotten to London and they presented to Parliament the 11,000 names um, that had been added to their petition. Stanley Baldwin, the PM, famously refused to meet the marchers. However, Thompson and Wilkinson did get to address a group of MPs. Ultimately, though, London was very far removed from the problems in Jarrell. Next slide is comes from Miss Wilkinson's speech to the House of Commons. And next slide, then, in terms of really the impact of it. So clearly in terms of realising its key objectives, it was a failure. The marchers returned to Jarrah by train with no prospect of government action to address the unemployment crisis in their town. Furthermore... To add insult to injury, their dole payments had been reduced or cut off by officials of the Unemployment Assistance Board. However, they did achieve the objectives of raising public awareness of the hardship they were suffering and sympathy for their cause. Next slide. At the time, Britain had the national government, whose members and policies were mainly conservative. And despite its lack of response to the Jarro marchers and their petition, its protectionist policies did eventually bring about an improvement in the economy as domestic demand improved. In Jarrow, shipbreaking works and engineering works were established in 1938, three years later, and in 1939 then the Consett Steel Company started. However, unemployment remained high until the outbreak of 1939 in the war, when the rearmament program then boosted demand for industrial output and for heavy industry in particular. I found this author Stuart McConey and uh yeah he tells it like it is the immediate impact of the march is limited an old joke in the town is that it was Hitler who saved Jarrow by generating war work for the arts so quite like that one um again the lasting impact just taken from the book there just the summary you can go through that there um, and the first bit there, the Jarro March, represented the determination and came to symbolize the human consequences of mass unemployment. Historians refer to it as the hungry 30s. Finally, then, guys, Jarro, a broader reflection of the UK at this time, not be accurate to say that what the people of Jarrow and other hard hit towns experienced was common. However, this period is much associated with poverty and economic hardship, but parts of the country were enjoying a richer life than ever before in the 30s. So why, next slide, was there such a disparity within the country? So again, hark back to the older established industries, the mining and the shipbuilding. They declined during the interwar years. Why? Well, there was no demand and also there was no money available from the government to investors to sustain them. But the industries based on new technologies were growing. For example, car manufacture, light engineering, electricity generation, the chemical industry as well. And where those industries were located, they saw a growing affluence while other the other areas then saw a huge decline. Next slide. Again, this is just taken from the final page there, guys, in the textbook on page 132. And you can go through that there. It is important. And maybe just take a couple of points, especially then the cheaper mortgages meant that people had more money, wider range of consumer goods, and by 1939, a small family car was half the price it had been 10 years earlier. Popular music, listenership of radio, and many Britons could afford new pastimes such as visiting the cinema once a week or going on holiday every year. So, final slide, then, guys, I want you to look at the question. Uh, 2a on page 140 where it says the what were the causes and consequences of the Jara March October 36 so the usual criteria apply minimum six pages lots of paragraphs it is that chapter in a nutshell that's what the essay is asking you to do so the causes why and what the course it took and then the consequences so if you can get that into me, I've put it up as an assignment and you can see all the details there. Um, if there's any chance that you can use cam scanner for those of you who are not typing the essays and sending them into me, guys, please, it would make it really um, just a little bit easier for me to actually physically correct them. I'm struggling a bit with the photographs and also the photographs. Could we toggle them so that they are <laughs> the right side up? Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Kyola heads up for the next one. Cheers!